A warning. This episode covers very heavy topics, including deaths in the family, suicide, rape, and other potential triggers. So if you are easily triggered by these things, do not listen to this episode. If you're in need of somebody to talk to, you can call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That's 1-800-273-8255. Or you can text the words GO to 741-741 to reach out to a trained crisis counselor. Hello and welcome to the Dis Dump Podcast. This is the show where we watch movies, play games, or listen to music in an effort to decide, are we going to keep the disc or are we going to dump it? Today is a very exciting episode. I've been looking forward to this for literally months. I am joined by Ariel from, I always want to say Ariel because I know a girl's named Ariel. <laughs> Ariel from the Malice Podcast. How you been? Hi, thanks for having me, Miles. I was out for a little bit, um, had some some weather issues and had some um, some family stuff that came up. And so I'm really, really glad to be back at it. And this is one of the first recordings I'm doing being back. So I'm super excited to be here. Oh, man, I am honored. Welcome back. Very Thank exciting. You. Do you want me to inquire about your family things on the show or would you rather I didn't? It's okay with me if you do. Okay, um, well, so... Just a, a brief recap. Um, my father is uh, or was an artist by profession. Um, he's very, very talented. And he was doing some work on my parents' home, which is pretty large for two people at this point. And so they were wanting to repaint the home. And they have a really high entryway. So he was on 25-foot scaffolding and took a fall um, onto his head. And so for 12 days, we really weren't sure what was going to happen. And ultimately, um, he didn't end up making it. So um, it's been not quite two weeks since he passed. And um, it was very sudden and very unexpected. And, um, you know, I've, I've really found um, a lot of, of strength and a lot of support and encouragement and love from the people in the indie podcast community that you and I are both a part of. And um, basically, you know, the best thing that I feel like I can do having been a, a daddy's girl and, and being very close to my dad for so long is just to try to keep, um, keep going and keep doing the things that I know he was proud of. And, um, you know, my podcast was really one of those. He, the last thing that he ever said to me actually was through a text message and it just said, you're killing it. I'm so proud of you. I love you. Oh, so yeah. Um, you know, so I, it's, it may seem strange. Everybody grieves differently, I think, but, um, you know, and it hits you in waves, but it's just one of those things that, um, you know, uh, when you know what somebody would want for you, it's easier to kind of go, you know what, that's the best way that I can honor their memory. And, uh, you know, I've got, I got way too much piss and vinegar in me to not be representative <laughs> of my dad. <laughs> to be honest with you. So, and, uh, interestingly, this, uh, the film we're talking about tonight is one that he uh, showed me and was one of our favorites we would watch together. So, really, All it right. turned well, out just pretty apropos, I guess. Yeah, perfect timing. Well, yeah. I'm terribly sorry that you lost your father. I like my heart bleeds for you. I'm, I can't imagine that must be terrible, but I'm happy that he sent you some such a positive note, like right before. Like, that's so fantastic, right. Right. Yes. So, I mean, and again, it's, it's, it hits you in waves, you know what I mean? It's, it's a very, very strange thing. And, and I think that limbo of 12 days, just not knowing it was that Schrodinger's cat kind of situation where it was like, he's gone and he's not all at the same time. Um, and so, you know, I think by the time that it came around, there really was some just knowing that there was peace for him, you know? And um, just as a as a just my dad's a fucking asshole or a fucking badass 
he's he's his final wish was that he would be an organ donor and so that's how he how that's how he left the world was having viable organs harvested and um they had found people to assign them to and so he saved lives in his last that's act beautiful. So, yeah great oh my yeah. gosh oh anyway that's fantastic we should anyway. be really dark but not about that <laughs> yeah this this might be a bit of a dark episode in general <laughs> So um, today we are going to be talking about the movie The Exorcist, the original. Yes. Um, But first, a brief history. The Exorcist is the 1973 film based on a novel by William Peter Blatty that was published in 1971. It stars Linda Blair, Ellen Burstyn, Jason Miller, and Max von Sydow. The general gist of the plot is that Father Lancaster Marin, played by Max von Sydow, finds a demonic stone figurine in Iraq when he's on an archaeological dig. It becomes pretty apparent right away that a relationship starts between Father Marin and this demon named Pazuzu. The demon is not named in the movie, but in the book and the later movies, they reveal his name is Pazuzu. For reasons never explained, the little figurine found its way to Georgetown outside of Reagan and Chris McNeil's house. Chris McNeil, who is played by Ellen Burstyn, is an actress who is struggling with her relationship with her husband. Her daughter, Regan, played by the infamous Linda Blair, is with her for this whole movie shoot. They're in Georgetown to film a movie, but Regan's father is absent for the whole story. As the story progresses, Regan begins to act strangely. Later, we will find out that she is possessed by the one that she calls. Well, then let's introduce ourselves. I'm Damien Karras. And I'm that devil. Now kindly undo these straps. Meanwhile... Father Damien Karras, played by Jason Miller, is a priest struggling with his faith. When he meets Reagan, he reaches out to the church to get their blessing to perform an exorcism. The church sends Father Marin to perform the exorcism, and together they are to face off against Pazuzu. The power of Christ compels you! That the power of Christ compels you! 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 The power of Christ you! After an epic battle with the demon, Father Marin dies of a heart attack or a stroke or something, and Karis sacrifices himself. Karis convinces the demon to possess him and then jumps out a window. Meanwhile, there's a very disappointed homicide detective who really wanted to go to the movies with a priest. The film is filled with green vomit, torn skin, and a particularly graphic scene where a little girl shoves a cross into her vagina. Don't let the fact that this movie was made in the 1970s deter you. It's still quite disturbing to this day. Okay. So what did your life look like the first time you saw this movie? Ooh, okay. So I was... One of these kids, I never watched like modern horror films. And by that, I mean, I, I was born in the 80s, grew up, you know, primarily that childhood memory part is in the 90s, right? So you'd think that I'd have grown up with things like Nightmare on, on Elm Street or, you know, Halloween and, and all these things that I've since come to love. But I didn't. I grew up on like old black and white horror films, you know, like mm-hmm. Bella Lugosi and, and Alfred Hitchcock and, you know. Well, The Exorcist was one that was my dad's absolute favorites. And I think it's because I always described him as a recovering Catholic. He went to Catholic school. uh, And so he was in mass six days a week um, as a part of his schooling. And then, of course, on his Sunday masses. And, um, you know, they had uh, nuns, actual nuns and priests as their teachers at this school. And one of the things I found really interesting is his one of his teachers was the sister of the actual uh, priest who performed the exorcist that this book was based on. Really? That's crazy. (laughs) So I've got like, you know, if you do like the, the Kevin Bacon, like six degrees of separation thing, I have two degrees of separation from the devil. (laughs) 
mean, we probably run in similar circles from time to time. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what age do you think was when you saw it for the first time? Oh, I would say probably hmm, 11 or 12, maybe. That's rough. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I probably was about the same. Let me see here. What year did this? I know the only times I've ever seen it were on this DVD. Wow. And this DVD says on it, it came out in the year 2000. This one says on it, The Exorcist, the version you've never seen. So that's the only version I've seen. Yeah, I was going to say, but you have twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the third. I think this is the third time I've ever seen this movie. Mm-hmm. And um, first time I watched it, I was with my dad. And I remember finding the special effects funny. Mm-hmm. But also, like, you know, like, I, I totally was still like, this movie's crazy. Yeah. And I've seen it. I'm pretty sure this is the third time I've seen it. And I literally fainted this time I watched it. <gasps> Did you really? Yeah, it was crazy. Like, I, I also was having a bad reaction to medicine. So that probably had something Daddy. to do with it. But I'm still giving <laughs> the movie credit. <laughs> Let's you know, be real. It was probably Satan. <laughs> it was probably Satan. <laughs> It was the point of the movie, which is probably the craziest part of the movie, where she takes the cross and she jams it into her lady bits and then blood shoots out. And I was like, oh, I did not expect to see that. Like, yeah. I remembered it being a thing, but I remembered it being funny to me the first time. And it was I not swear to you, I blocked it out because the next time I saw that movie, didn't recall it. The time after that I saw that movie, I was an adult and I saw it and I was like, oh god what is happening right now? Oh, oh god you know i mean like queasy and hot flashes and the whole night i mean it was bad and so yeah now that part is the one that stands out probably the most to me yeah, for <laughs> sure like i remember i was like i had to pause it and i looked at my girlfriend i was like i don't need to take a break and then it just felt like my whole body was covered in static and i was sweating and she oh. like i came back to her saying do you know what i mean and i was like no <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean otherwise i love this movie it was pretty good i just forgot all about how graphic that part is head spinning don't bother me doing a crab walk down the stairs doesn't bother me jamming yourself with the cross and the lady bits that really fucked me up that'll do it that'll do it every time i mean i i really yeah i mean i there are things about it that are unnerving you know like the the crab walk down the stairs backwards that whole bit was like well don't like that you know but yeah there's a big difference (laughs) this is real real gross (laughs) so So this movie is full of many many very gross things but i feel like they all happen in like 25 percent of the movie you know what i mean yeah yeah there's a lot of do you think that like 45 minutes of this movie could not be in this movie and it would be just as good I don't know. I think the the build and just having these really kind of strange, disturbing things throughout the beginning, you know, I mean, one of the things I think that was the most unsettling to me um, and, and all the times I've watched it is that very first time that Reagan walks into like the the um, dinner party and just pees herself in front of everybody. And it was this whole idea, I mean, as a kid, it was like, that's just real weird. As an adult who's worked with, you know, kids who've um, experienced trauma, um, especially if it's been like sexual trauma, that's pretty normal kind of um, pathological behavior. Like that's something you see and you go, uh-oh, what has been happening to this child? And so when you put that in the context of, you know, a demon possessing her, it's just next level yeah freaky you know so um yeah so i i mean there's that and then they're just the the little the little unnerving things you know that keep cropping up you know um until it really does kind of get to that crescendo that happens really fast (laughs) so yeah it definitely it goes from two to ten real quick at the end (laughs) yeah yeah you know yeah the first thing i wrote down was unsettling audio Mm. That's another thing that happens in, like, the middle of the movie. You don't get that, like, cool piano stuff until, like, the middle of the movie. But mm-hmm. all the way up to that is just, like, these terrible, like, razors on stringed instruments and stuff. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. Yeah. That real, like, dissonant kind of sound. The Oh, it's so jarring. Yeah. It is. I mean, 
it kind of makes me think though, you know, when we're experiencing something, you know, the beginning is something that where, where you get that feeling in the pit of your stomach, like something's not right. You know what I mean? And whether or not we've, you know, dealt with Beelzebub ourselves or in a, in a loved one, you know, we have had those moments in our lives where we just feel like something's not going the way it's supposed to, that sick feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is something that I feel like plays directly to that, you know, just that jarring, like, I can't get rid of this feeling. I can't, you know. But you also can't, like, put your finger on it at the same Mm -hmm. time. Like, something is amiss and I don't know what it is. Yeah. that's Exactly. That's definitely the tone of this whole movie, especially when he like goes and visits his mom and it's like such a sweet scene and you're like, something is bad about to happen to this lady. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, and and you are, it's, it's interesting too because of the types of characters that we meet because we meet, you know, Blair's mother who, is, or not Blair, <laughs> thinking Linda Blair. We meet mm-hmm. Reagan's mother and she is just such a like, I, I don't know. She just, she seems so uh, like a good mom, but she's just sort of stereotypically seventies, right? Like yeah. just sort of where her priorities are and where she, you know. Um, and so it, it seems like these things would be really hard for her to sort of take in. She's not a particularly spiritual person. She's not a particularly, you know, like, I don't know. It, it just kind of strikes me. And then you've got, you know, father Damien, that right. Am I? Oh my God! That's his oh, first name. Yeah. Yes. Okay, uh, Damien. Damien. Um, his last name? Uh, we'll get to it. We'll figure it out. Okay. Damien. So, Father Damien, who uh, one of the reasons that I, I always catch myself on that is wait is like wait the omen came out at a very similar time. Am I confusing right? them? But no, it's the same. Father Damien. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so you know he's this character that is actually. I mean, as far as, I don't know about how you feel about him, but uh, from the beginning, I look at him and I just kind of feel pitiful. You know what I mean? Like, there's just something sad about him, you know? And of course, we kind of figure that out, that he's, he's you know, really battling with his faith mm-hmm. and how hard that would be, especially for somebody who had devoted their life to that, you know? Yeah. Um, and And then, of course, finding out about his mother, who's in just dire straits, you know, in terms of her health and um, probably mental health as well, because she does not seem happy where she is, you know, Um, and just so much guilt, which is really kind of a a theme that we see a lot cinematically when it comes to Catholicism, right? Mm -hmm. This whole, um, you know, this feeling of, of these things are your fault. And that in and of itself in the context of a horror film is like the icing on the cake is just this feeling that like, I should have, could have, would have done something and I didn't. And it's my fault, mm-hmm. you know? Anyway. Yeah. It, the, her neighborhood was rough. Her kids jumping on cars and shit. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she, she actually ends up in the hospital in a geriatric wing where apparently right. everyone sleeps together in the same room. That's weird. But I work in a <laughs> hospital and there is a section of the hospital that's almost exactly like that. Really? And it's, wild to be in there because like they can't just lock them in their rooms all day so they just let them like mingle around with each other and stuff and it gets sketchy in there man like you you gotta keep your guard up because at any moment someone could just like jump you because they're thinking of something else that's happened to them in the past and shit yeah it gets crazy up there but like that would be so sad and scary it's very sad to be up there but at the same time like that's a reality like this movie actually kind of reminded me of a place I've been and it's like clean it's not like there's cockroaches running around and shit but at the same time like just people that have kind of drifted away from reality are still here and they kind of interact with each other and what's messed up though is that his mom was completely within her mind like she wasn't hadn't lost her anything you know what I mean right so it's she did not belong there. So that's no. unsettling in itself. Yeah. God, that would be so miserable. Mm-hmm. Yes, it would. But anyway, this is a depressing episode. <laughs> <laughs> it, it gets a little more more jazzed up. And I've got some fun little uh, fun little uh, trivia things for you as we go along. So Okay. Well, you want to hit me with one? <clears throat> hit me with one. Okay. All right. Well, uh, um. Let, okay, so can we talk about when the people first come to check out Reagan and like get like her medical stats and all that stuff? Oh, when she goes to the doctor? Uh, is it, did she? I'm trying to remember. Did she actually? It's been a while since I've watched this, which is sad. But I've you know I had other things going on anyway. Um, 
So when she goes to the dark, she gets like the brain scan done, mm -hmm. right? The guy who's performing that is a man named Paul Bateson. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> he's a serial killer. In real life? In real life. Mm -hmm. Whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Whoa. he was only convicted of one murder, but it's pretty well understood there were more. Holy shit, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. So I always thought that was a little little bit of a, ooh, <laughs> ooh okay. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That so crazy, all the... so loud MRI machine and shit that was just like, gong, 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 gong. Well, and what's crazy is that he wasn't an actor. That was his actual job. Was really? As a, yeah, as a, an MRI and EKG tech, yeah. So. Okay. And he was just happily murdering people on the side of, oh, man. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that, the scenes where she's in the hospital are like a huge part of this DVD version. I don't know if they are. Like, there was like 25 minutes of the movie that she was like seeing different doctors and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the doctors are actually the ones that recommended exorcism, which was a weird yeah. call creatively to have the doctors be like, yeah, let's see if God can help. I mean, it's weird. Yes. You know, we don't expect it, but these doctors may have been at the, you know, the the extent of what they knew they could do. You know what I mean? That's pretty like, much what it was. They were at their wits end. They were like, I don't know, maybe she needs a psychological awakening if she's spiritual was kind of what right. they were saying. Right. And I mean, and that's, it's not an undocumented um, type of, of effective intervention in some cases, you know, like people who take on... Um, emotional psychological distress when they are traumatized by something or are so fearful in a spiritual context um, a lot of times by enacting this very jarring ritual it can actually cause that part of them to go okay and just kind of let go a little bit and mm -hmm. allow them to start thinking more clearly um, it's been documented as being effective in various capacities since you know i mean the 1300s you know, so it's it's not like it's, um, you know, I, we, we can hear horror stories about exorcisms, this one not included, but I mean, real life horror stories where, you know, a person's health and their, um, you know, even their their lives are in danger because of the ways that exorcisms are performed, typically not by people who are sanctioned to do them. But, yeah. you know, that general idea, um, you know, but. Once again, if you look at it from a purely psychological, um, you know, phenomenon, it really can kind of, you know, um, I'm trying to think what the word would be, um, kind of just loosen them up out of whatever fixation they have found themselves within, you know. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a whole lot to that that I won't, you know, get into right now. But like I said, it's it's a really great rabbit hole to go down. So I encourage your listeners, <laughs> if you're interested, you can find oh so much information about it. And it is just mind-blowing. So, A few years ago, Netflix released something that they advertised the shit out of. And they were like, we are going to play a real-life exorcism. Everyone get ready. This is legit. And it was this old Mexican woman there in Mexico City. And the... the uh, from Rome they came to come and exercise this woman. Mm -hmm. And then during it, they played the sound the zombies make in Call of Duty Black Ops, which was at the time the most popular video game in the world. Mm -hmm. So they they just put in audio from a video game into this real life exorcism. Mm -hmm. And that really took me out of any belief in exorcism at all. If I was they were like, this is real. And then it's just like zombie sounds like, mm, I don't know about all this. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it's uh, the execution of it that really may matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I actually, uh, I have another thing I'm going to talk about later that's a different, unrelated thing to what I'm about to say. But sure. when I was in high school, there was a weird kid that went to school. Everyone's got weird kids. But mm -hmm. this one kid, we had to write like a how-to paper for one of our classes. And he wrote about how to perform an exorcism. And I had to be his like partner, like helping him workshop it. 
<laughs> that was a wild experience. This fifteen-year-old kid who's like, "I've been a part of twenty-one exorcisms." I'm like, "Oh, have you?" <laughs> I, I would have been one of those people that was like, "All right, note to self: bring a recorder to school tomorrow. We're yeah, right? <laughs> record all of this shit." <laughs> he got an A on the paper too, which is what's sure. really. <laughs> Look, oh there's goodness. very, very intelligent weirdos out there. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most important sentence of this whole podcast. <laughs> um, did you ever read the book that this is based on? I did. Yeah, it's been many moons ago, but yes, I did. I was uh, trying to find it before this podcast, but I could not find it. Do you remember much about it? Um, it. Oh, God. It, it's run in with so many other uh you know you'd think it would stand out more um it did at the time i just thought oh my god this is in an insane story but you know having already seen the movie and you know i was also big into um you know stephen king and um some of these other <laughs> other things you know and <clears throat> interestingly i was on the tail end as a kid of this whole like satanic panic thing Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I didn't really, I wasn't really even a, very aware of that until much older when people were talking about, you know, how the exorcism helped to sort of kick that off in, ter- in terms of the mindset, you know, in the eighties, mm-hmm. um, you know, these people experiencing this, this film about which everything just seemed so evil, you know, um, that that somehow like opened up the floodgates from hell, you know, to all these satanic kids and rituals and all this, you know. So yeah, I I read it, but it just I guess was not contextualized by anything that was that um, significant to me at the time. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I it's it's been a minute. I'd probably read it again. Yeah, I, I would just worry it's heavy on Catholicism, and I'm not a, a a religious man myself. And some of it's interesting. Like I read this, like I read, I listened to a book that was like 150 hours that was all about monks. Mm-hmm. And like by the end of it, I was like, okay, I need a break from Jesus for a little bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> He's a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was all uh, it's pillars of the earth. It's great, but it's also way, 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 way too long. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I was dumb enough to listen to the second one, too, which was even longer. But anyway, (laughs) Um, so uh, let me see here. You said your dad was a recovering Catholic. Were you raised Catholic? I was not. No. By the time uh, my dad was finished with Catholic school, he was soundly atheist. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mother grew up in the Methodist Church in um, East Tennessee, and she, uh, her father was a member of their Methodist Church for 73 years when he went through confirmation. And he always said that if you couldn't be Methodist, you couldn't be anything, because they were like the most accepting, like, <laughs> loosey-goosey, easygoing of the mm-hmm. Protestant religions. <laughs> and um, turns out I can't be anything, because... <laughs> Um, (laughs) no, I was raised in the Methodist church though, along with my brother and sister. And then when my mom was, um, an adult and we, we had gotten a little bit older, we were in, I think high school and stuff. She, she, um, actually moved to Unitarian Universalist and, uh, you know, even like led like a, a Jungian study there on archetypes and, um, the Bible and things that you can look at from a more, you know, symbolic point of view and I mean you know so I, I grew up with batty parents you know yeah. <laughs> they, they weren't like let's go to the potluck no, yeah. <laughs> no. so I was, I was raised by my mom told us that we were Wiccans for my nice. whole life so yeah there was paganism was our thing but my mom is was my mom and her dad were um their whole job was to restore paintings in churches, like ancient paintings. Their job was to make them pretty. So I grew up in churches, not a Christian. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it was real weird because I've definitely had conversations with priests and stuff. I was little, so, I mean, it wasn't like they were, like, trying to convert me or anything. But I just (laughs) found it interesting, like, theology and all that stuff. I got to pull the string, or, yeah, the string, the rope that, like, rings the bell. I got to do that. That was pretty cool. That's amazing. Like a hunchback of Notre Dame. You know what what that's going to make me, what what that makes me think of? And and you're probably going to be like, oh, dear God, why did I bring her on? Um, So in Groundhog Day... (laughs) 
when, when Phil Connor is, uh, you know, on his who know who knows hundredth piano lesson with the piano teacher, and she's like, "Are you sure you're new to this?" And I'm like, oh yeah, but um, you know, my, my dad was a piano mover, so. <laughs> like, Man, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie, but <laughs> Phil Murray's the fucking best. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so looking over my notes here, that's crazy that that dude is a serial killer. Like that's wild. Um, how about the homicide detective in this movie? Do you remember that goofy, goofy dude? Oh, uh, I mean, he doesn't stand out as much as some of them, but if you get me started, I'm pretty sure I could. He like. Everybody he talks to, he invites to the movies for some reason. I, all he wants to do is go to the movies with a priest. That's all he wants. And none of them take him up on it. They were all like, I've seen it. It's a weird fucking item. He like happily accepts whatever gifts people give to him. And it's like, is this how cops worked in the 70s? Because this is not how cops work anymore. I, look, the 70s were a weird time. <laughs> That's true. Before was... people were locking their doors and shit. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't help with de- it doesn't help with demons though. No, apparently not. They let them right in. Yep. And they get thrown out of windows. Um, just some of the some of the big things I've written on here is the bed is bouncing furiously. <laughs> <laughs> shit would be terrifying, but sometimes when you look at it like forty years after it came out, you're like, eh, it's a little funny. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's the thing, though, is that like with a lot of these uh, these movies that predate what we have now in terms of our special effects and CGI and all this other stuff, you know, we can look at it and go, well, that's kind of campy looking. But if you look past that to the story, you know what I mean? And really kind of hone in on that. Like, for instance, I, I legitimately get nightmares after watching Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. It does not get campier than fucking Freddy Krueger running after you looking like he wants to give you a hug with his arms yeah. <laughs> like way too far apart, you know. And at the same time, the whole premise of that movie scares the shit out of me. And even being a non-religious person like I am, the premise of The Exorcist scares the shit out of me because there's legitimately nothing you can do. Like what, mm-hmm. you know, if you suspend disbelief, that's terrifying. Absolutely. <laughs> I uh, I have a friend who is surprisingly religious considering the behaviors he endorses, but he um he said like he's not afraid of any horror movies except for The Exorcist because that shit is real and I'm like it is he's like yeah but like by the premise it is terrifying to think yeah. of something invading you and taking over I mm-hmm. I read one thing that the, someone was trying to justify that the reason it is like it's like all an allegory for rape culture mm-hmm. and like people who get raped and stuff so like I can understand that having something like coming from inside you out and you have no control over it and stuff like that seems pretty tough like I said, this is a depressing episode. Uh. Yeah, well, you know, and it was funny. I actually had a conversation with somebody about that very thing. Um, Dr. Lee Meller, who's a criminologist and criminal profiler who deals specifically with abnormal homicide and um, sex crimes. Mm-hmm. He also <laughs> authored a book called Behind the Horror. And he talks about horror films and true life cases that uh, inspired them. And so that came up in in The Exorcist, you know, the true story behind what happened there. And uh, he and I got into a discussion about that sort of allegory in terms of, you know, could this be, you know, something representative? And and the problem with it is, is that once you put that seed in your head, not I mean, that may be poor wording, but, you know, once Ooh. you get that, <laughs> once you get that <laughs> idea in in your head, you know, it's hard not to start finding things that back that up. And I don't know necessarily that that was the author's um, point when the book was written. Um, it could have been the director's point of view when it was brought into to that, you know, that arena or adapted to a screenplay or, you know, any of these various steps. Or it may just be something that is, you know, people who have endured this kind of thing or have dealt with people who have been traumatized this way identify a lot of things that are similar. You know, I mean, in a lot of ways, we are dealing with somebody, you know, ultimately a lack of consent, somebody taking something that does not belong to them and leaving somebody a shell of who they were 
you know, desperate for help and unable to actually communicate that, you know, in a lot of ways, the acting out that happens with things like PTSD, you know, I mean, we have this person who's being approached from all of these different people who are, you know, ostensibly wanting to help her, but there are people who don't believe it. There are people who are saying, okay, you need to come to Jesus and, and, you know, you need your sins forgiven, which I'm sorry if you've ever been through any type of sexual assault that you've been faced with somebody saying those kinds of things to you. That's incredibly harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, oh, you need to be forgiven for what you did wrong. That's, that's horrific and, and should belongs nowhere in any type of, of um, positive kind of discourse at all dealing with with victims and survivors you know you've got people who are just willfully misunderstanding you've got the mother who means well but who doesn't understand the aggression the rage the you know i mean even the disturbing self-mutilation in it you know what i mean it's it's Mm -hmm. really there are a lot of elements there that you can look at and go well it's relatable but it's relatable to a lot of different kinds of traumas. You know, it's yeah. not just that particular one. So I think it depends on what angle you're looking at, you know? Yeah. And the same paper that I was reading, those are all excellent points. The same Thank paper you. I was reading was saying that um, the alien movies with the xenomorphs, it's mm-hmm. kind of like paralleled because that introduces raping of men. And that's what makes it scarier yes. to a male audience is that, you have no control over the baby that just got put inside you and it right. eats its way out and shit. Crazy, crazy. Well, and that's that's one of the great things, though, about horror in general. And I know we're, we're kind of like branching out all over the place. But, you know, this in so many ways was just such a, a, a an amazing example of hitting on the things that scare people to their core. You know, and in the Alien movies, just like you mentioned, you know, it's it's a it was a much more deliberate choice to make the things shaped the way they were. So you have this vaginal shape opening, you have this very penetrative type of uh, attacking, you have that, like you said, implantation of a, of a baby that eventually is gonna overtake their body and rip its way out. And, you know, I mean, and that would be terrifying. I mean, yeah. it would it's terrifying for a woman, but when you introduce that on a level that now men can understand in watching that and what that looks like, uh, what we're seeing is that on a psychological level. No, we're not likely to run into xenomorphs who are going to or face huggers or any of it, you know, but you know, the, the whole concept that like that could be thrust upon you. And as terrifying as that is, that's what's going on in your head. That's your body's response to this. Never mind what's on the outside. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a reason why people have nightmares about these things and aren't like, yeah, it was just some fucking jackass, you know, he did this thing to me and you know, whatever's, brush it off, move along, you know, because in your mind, it is terrifying. It is this horrific thing that happens to you. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I just, I think that that's something that in horror is a really useful uh, thing to play on. You know, what what makes the most effective horror is what are the most terrifying things to human beings? And a lot of times those things are fairly universal, mm-hmm. you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, again, in this case, like I said, me being a non-religious person, The Exorcist still is one of the scariest movies I think I've ever seen. Not many movies make me faint, I'll tell you that much. Nope. I watch a lot of horror movies, and that, for some anything that has to do with women's genitalia being mutilated really fucks me up. So <laughs> the fact that it was just like, <laughs> surprise! Oh, oh. Yeah. Like, yeah, Green Inferno and shit. Anyway, um, <sighs> yeah. so uh, we're going to talk about more elements of horror here in a minute. But first, we're going to take a very brief break for some ads. We'll be right back. This episode is presented by Away Travel. Quite simply, Away makes everything you need for a trip away. Away started with the perfect suitcase, then built from there, creating a range of travel standards developed by travel stories of friends and sometimes seatmates. The pieces aren't smart, they're thoughtful with features that solve real travel problems. To give the whole world access to better travel standards, Away took the direct-to-customer approach to lower prices, and the quality is guaranteed. Your Away suitcase will be with you for life. 
We are teaming up with Away and Podgo to give you the best deal on premium luggage by going to podgo.co slash away. That's podgo.co slash away. Away Travel, here to make your journey seamless. Predators. Their acts are evil. We call them monsters. We say no human could perpetrate the crimes they have committed. But in truth, only human beings execute these horrific acts. And if you're like me, you want to know why. To find out, join me, Ariel Cooksey, on my podcast, Malice. As a social psychologist, I dig into the psychology, sociology, neurobiology, child development, trauma, and other factors that come together to create malicious offenders. Find Malice wherever you listen to podcasts. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. Uh, thank you guys for joining us for this super fun episode that I did with Ariel from Malice Podcast. Uh, we talked about The Exorcist. It was super, super, super good time. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I love that girl. She's fantastic. You guys should definitely check out her show, Malice. So, thank you, Ariel. So, uh, <laughs> I just feel like everyone I thank should get that little treatment, the game show treatment. For instance, I want to also thank... Thank you, Lindsay, the most beautiful girlfriend in the world. She watched it with me, and uh, we had a good time. She did not like the movie at all, and she cared for me when I fainted. Yeah, I fainted. We'll get to that part if I didn't already cover it in this episode. But she cared for me. She saved my life. I thought I was going to die. Anyway, so thank you, Lindsay, for doing this with me and watching this and all that good stuff. Um, let's see here. Where's all the standard good stuff? I think I got it memorized. So, um, I want to say that if you want to get a hold of me, you can email me discdumppod at gmail.com. That's D-I-S-C-D-U-M-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. Don't forget that little PP in there. It's important. On Twitter, I'm at the discdump. On Instagram, discdumppodcast. Facebook, discdumppodcast. You get it. If you look for me, you'll find me. I promise you. Um, okay, and then I just have one more thing. I'm going to keep it pretty brief this time around. Um, I just want to say, you guys, it's not out yet, so don't search for it yet, but just keep in mind, whenever you're listening to this, which will probably be later, uh, there's a new podcast. It's called Toast of the Realms, and it's a live play D&D podcast where I am the dungeon master who is telling a story, and all of the players who are also in this podcast are going to be characters in the story, and they will be improving their way through and battling monsters and all kinds of good stuff. And if you've ever been curious about D&D, or if you're obsessed with D&D, or if you're into sci-fi fantasy stuff, uh, radio dramas, whatever, this is going to be right up your alley. So please check out Toast of the Realms podcast. Alrighty, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Let's get back into it. So, uh, are you ready to roll? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Um, have you seen any of the sequels to this movie? It has been about a million eons ago since I saw yeah. any of the sequels. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I just learned there were sequels today, so oh. I have not seen them. <laughs> <laughs> well, we may have to revisit at some point if you decide to accumulate them. Absolutely. I, I might get the box set. We'll see. <laughs> Um, So apparently the sequels ranged from 1977 to 2004. Mm -hmm. Huge chunks of time. And apparently the 2004 one is like a prequel. I don't know. Yeah, I I have not seen that one. Hmm. Like any of the ones that I've seen were in the 70s, like that that era. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like I said, it's been way too long for me to comment. (laughs) On any of them. So, did you watch the TV show that came out in 2016? I did not. It's 
the second worst TV show I've ever seen. <gasps> oh no! What it's was the worst? So bad. Um, well, their like moment of fear, they do pretty good building up to the point where there's going to be a jump scare. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the second episode, four of the six jump scares they had were a cartoon rat. Oh, so God. like that doesn't do it for me. Come on. <laughs> yeah. The one cartoon rat gets like folded up by an evil spirit. Oh no! Like Ooh. clearly not a real rat. And Gina Davis is in it, and she does not look very good. And uh, she just overreacts to things because she obviously can't see what's happening, like what they're trying to depict. So she's just like, oh, no. <laughs> Bad. It's on Hulu. If you want to get a laugh out of it, you might make it through the second episode, but I sure shit couldn't. So. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so I'm sure you have a lot of information about this. Have you heard about all the crazy shit that happened in like the production of this movie? Oh, yes. That's Let's part of the it. allure. Yes. <laughs> this was <clears throat> one of those films that, like I said, just had this sort of aura of evil around it. People, you know, were terrified of it just watching it. Like you said, I mean, with the fainting, people were passing out in theaters, having heart attacks in theaters. You know, I mean, it was it was just absolute insanity, the reaction to the film alone. But when you start digging in and you start looking at what was happening on the set, and with the people who were acting in the films and producing and directing and all it's it's bananas everything that happened around this for sure like everybody had somebody in their family die which is crazy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um there was a fire did you hear about the fire yes and the fire that was nobody was able to figure out what happened right that it that set the fire right. but the only remaining part of the set that was untouched was Reagan's bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> so scary. It's like that is one humdinger of a coincidence. Right. <laughs> I mean um, Well, and then um what's her name? The actress that played Reagan's mom. I cannot remember her name. I don't know. Um there's a part where Reagan pushes her back and she hits like the uh armoire yes and she was actually badly injured from that mm-hmm. um it, and it was completely unexpected like they they had gone through and they'd rehearsed and rehearsed and when they actually filmed it what makes it into the cut is um she ended up having to be treated for like i think broken bones and bone oh. contusions for that which was just completely out of keeping with what anybody had rehearsed and i believe a piece of set furniture fell on top of her as well so you know i was wondering why that scene ended that way because mm-hmm. it's like crazy crazy escalation escalations and it just stops and they just cut to the next scene that's probably why because that's one why. of the main actresses got fucked up yes <laughs> yeah exactly Jesus. and i want to say one of the one of the people on the set his son ended up in a debilitating motorcycle accident like mm-hmm. I want to say like the day the day it opened or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. It was all these really weird, these really weird dates that kind of matched up. But yeah, I mean, so many deaths associated with it. And then, like I said, you know, an actual serial killer being in the movie <laughs> as one of the <laughs> people on the set. It's just kind of like, all right, that's just next level. Like, how does that even happen? <laughs> Did you uh, did you cover that guy's case in your show? I haven't yet. I covered it um, for let's see. I want to. I think I did it for a Halloween live stream actually on Get Vocal. I got on and I talked about uh, the case of Paul Bateson and the bizarre happenings of of The Exorcist. So um, it's a fun one for sure. You know, I mean, I'm I'm not a huge like paranormal person myself, but this movie, it it's just. You know, it reminds me of that old Sherlock Holmes quote, you know, um, you know what I say about coincidences, the universe is rarely so lazy, mm-hmm. you know, and so I don't know, it's just it's ugh, gives me shivers. <laughs> so. Yeah, this, this movie alone was filled with so much crazy shit, like outside of the production of the movie that it has to be like, it's like this and poltergeist. It's like, oh, they're cursed. And right. I kind of buy it. 
Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's hard not to. I mean, you, you look at a, a handful of things and you go, I mean, that's some weird coincidental stuff. You know, that's kind of spooky. But when it just starts adding and adding and adding and adding and adding and you're just like, does the is there is there no end to this? Because I, really and truly, I'm 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 starting to have <laughs> problems <laughs> with this. <laughs> yeah, like oh man, this shit was so serious in this movie. Um, let's see here, what else we got to talk about? Do you have any other like tidbits that are super interesting? You know, I don't think so. I mean, it's it's just one of those films. I think that you know, like I said, catapulted us into this whole fear of demons that we hadn't seen in hundreds of years at this point in time. I mean, you know, you can throw us back, at least in the United States, you can throw us back to, you know, like the the Salem witch hunts, you know, I mean, those were in the, the late um, 1600s. That's not, yeah, it, it's not uh, something that's been very, very fresh on the, the cultural landscape in, um, you know, in the colonial Americas or, you know, the later United States um for quite a while but you know it's something that's never been that far outside of our cultural um uh, reality or or experience you know it's one of those things that's like somebody says it in the right context and all of a sudden it's everywhere you yeah. can see it everywhere and it's terrifying you know yeah, i read so. somewhere that after like before this movie came out maybe four exorcisms a year were performed mm -hmm. and immediately after this like they were desperate to find exorcists because uh -huh. everyone thought they needed to be exercised so it went up like 20,000 percent after yeah. this movie got released yeah so then it's, it's like that weird argument of like is art imitating life or is life imitating art or whatever but oh i think it's a cycle i for sure think it's a cycle you know yeah. i mean um <clears throat> i covered a case not long ago actually that was kind of begged that very question and um now i can't remember what it is <laughs> <laughs> it was just one of those things i was like this never happens and then it happened in a movie and then it happened in real life and it was like wait what um but i mean i guess you can look at a lot of a lot of things like that you know um we say we see it a lot in just the horror genre you know Absolutely. um and so, you know, one of the one of the things I think is really interesting, for instance, is you've got, for instance, this uh, killer, uh, um, what's his name, Pedro Filho, who was a serial killer, but he only killed violent offenders, particularly, okay. well, particularly those who were rapists or child offenders. Mm -hmm. And when he was imprisoned, he killed an additional 41 people in prison. Oh, shit. Who were violent defenders, and so he he's referred to as the original De Dexter killer. Well, Dexter Morgan was based in part on that premise that he was only killing people who he felt deserved to be killed, and there's a paradox there. But then there's um, Mark Twitchell, who is an actor who decided that his goal in life is he wanted to be a serial killer. He was a, a screenwriter and a director. And he set up a soundstage, he set up like the movie set and all this stuff in this warehouse, and he lured two men there, one of whom he attempted to kill, and then another one he actually did kill, and then dismembered and disposed of the body, which has never been found. And they were able to convict him based on his writings of this, quote, fictitious script called SK Confessions, or Serial Killer Confessions, and he was obsessed with the show Dexter. You know, and so you see the sort of cycling back through of like, you know, this is a crazy story. Let's talk about it. Let's put it out there. And then people see that story and they're inspired by it. And so they do fucked up stuff in real life. And then people go, you know, it'd be really messed up as if we did, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, if we did a movie about this guy or something similar. You know, I mean, it's it's the same kind of thing as, as you know, looking at uh, the Gainesville Ripper, Danny Rowling, who you know, wrought havoc on, um, what was it, the University of Florida in Gainesville? Um, he went through and just horrifically murdered these young women, you know, before, like right before college started or right at the beginning of college starting one fall semester and left them posed in suggestive ways and, you know, mutilated their bodies and it was just horrendous. And it, because it became such a media spectacle, 
the movie Scream was based on it. Right. And then we've seen people who have, you know, uh, attributed their own crimes to the movie Scream since you know what i mean so it's, it's just a vicious cycle of exactly yeah interesting i love I... the crazy knowledge you have in your head <laughs> <laughs> it's so not useful actually, for much but hey <laughs> that actually kind of happened with this movie the exorcist because mm-hmm. the demon that possesses her and the book apparently they say his name is pazuzu mm-hmm. and pazuzu you know Zuzu Algorand, that's right. I'll let you I take could. the story, sorry. Well, I mean, you you were going to do a way better job of it than I am, but I watched a little, most of the documentary up to the point where he died, mm-hmm. and uh, it's pretty rough with the drug use and the heroin and all that. Oh, Did yeah. you watch the documentary? I've not seen the documentary, but I do know just a, a wee bit about Mr. Yeah. Mr. Pazuzu. <laughs> he like... What a crazy dude. Like, he would just have these crazy house parties all day, every day, and just, mm-hmm. like, spray paint the walls. And they, like, tied a dude up in the basement and tortured and murdered him to death while all these people are hanging out. And he's yep. just like, I'm killing people in the basement. They're like, yeah, sure you are. And he totally was fucking crazy. He he had, I mean, he gave so few fucks. It was, like, in the Insane. record book. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. So few fucks. <laughs> And and the people around him as well, when they when they went and approached these people, they were all just kind of like, well, I mean, I, th- I saw him burying some stuff in the backyard, and I mean, I didn't feel good about it, but... <laughs> yeah, like, the whole house smelled like piss and shit and blood, and everyone was like, you know, this isn't the most comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when you're dealing with somebody who who's at that level of depravity, are you gonna rock the boat? I mean... Yeah, not a good call. Mm-mm. <laughs> And that's that's one of those things that I find really, really frustrating about so many of these cases is you've got these people who are completely off the chain, uncontrollable, violent, horrific people. You know, I mean, you you can't. (sighs) There's a great song by Poe called Trigger Happy Jack that just says you can't you can't talk to a psycho like a normal human being. And that's really the long and short of it when it comes yeah. right down to it. It's, it's like, <laughs> we're not going to have a heart to heart with Pazuzu Algarad. It's just not happening. That's, yeah. you know, you know, yeah, and going dude. to police is just as terrifying because what you're going to tell somebody. So we were at this party in huffing paint and doing <laughs> all kinds of drugs. And uh, <clears throat> so then the guy who owns the place was like, hey, so we're torturing and murdering this dude in the basement. And we were like, oh, yeah, good, whatever. But then we went down there and it turns out he totally was. Yeah. Um, so can you can you check on that? They actually called the cops on him like three times and yeah. they came and inspected and didn't find the oh, so crazy. I know. <laughs> have you uh, have you covered him in your podcast? Not yet, but he's on I, my list. <laughs> I know that like sometimes you have people from other podcasts on to talk about it after mm-hmm. you cover it. Can I reserve a spot for Pazuzu? Yes, you may. Oh, my God. That'd be fantastic. I would love that. That would be so fun. Oh, my God. (laughs) So speaking of your show, Mm -hmm. fucking love it. Show is excellent. It is a cut above the rest. Like, you are such a high-quality show because there's, like, A, you speak with such earnesty about the darkest, most horrible shit. And... Like, it just, you can tell that it affects your empathy that you are studying this, yeah. which I worry about your psychology too, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but also what I was thinking about today is that you do take some creative liberties with it, mm-hmm. but you dance that line so beautifully that it's like, I don't know, I don't think I've ever heard anybody take liberties like that that didn't turn out sounding can't be like one of those reenactment shows or whatever but you fucking kill it it's excellent it's called malice podcast if they wanted to check you out how would they get a hold of you oh god first of all that's so so kind of you miles i mean seriously that's i i make it a point to never take any artistic liberties that would affect the um integrity of the case that I'm covering so none of the facts none of the you know what I mean if I'm trying to bring out sensory types of things so people can kind of picture it smell it taste it touch it um 
but I'm not going to say, for instance, that, you know, I'm going to name this police officer Hank and talk about his wife and kids because I don't right. know anything about that. You know what I mean? That's that's so I, I do have a bright line there. But, um, yeah, if people want to check it out, um, you can just search Malice um, on anywhere that you listen to podcasts. You could also look up um, Abjack Entertainment Network. That is the um, the network that I'm on. It's um, with Mike Morford. Uh, there's some other wonderful podcasts on that network that are um, mostly true crime. There's going to be some expanding done, but it's right now very heavily true crime. And I mean, just exceptional stuff. Um, you can also find me on Facebook. Just look for Malice Podcast on Twitter at Malice Podcast on Instagram at Malice Pod and on Patreon search Malice Pod and you'll find me and you can come support the show. So you Again, get lots of good stuff. I <laughs> I can't recommend it enough. You're you're such an excellent show. Thank I you. Really, really enjoy it. That's why you're on here twice because I really like <laughs> your show. <laughs> well, so, I absolutely adore yours. So it's oh, always, I mean, you. such a blast to be able to come on and hang out with you. That's very sweet of you. You have an open invitation. You have the list. If ever you look and you're like, hmm, let's talk about this one. Just let me know. I'm in. Oh, hell yes. Hell yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and I've got um, you down for Pazuzu Algorithm. Pazuzu, yes. Um, that's such a fucked up documentary. I'll send it to you. It's on YouTube. <laughs> um, so before we start to wrap things up, I have... This is a disc dump announcement. So this is going to be a two-part episode because uh, I happily have had this conversation with you. I'm actually friends with someone who was training to join the Catholic Church. He made it to the point where he was a priest and everything. And then once they kind of shared the darker side of Catholicism with him, he's like, yo, fuck this. I cannot be a part of it. So he is coming on my episode, my next episode, which is going to be part two of this one. And he's going to talk about actual exorcisms. So this is very exciting. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> awesome. So uh, I'm going to do my reads here. And then after my reads, I would like you to recommend something to the audience. It could be anything. It could be a movie, a book. Uh, be nice to people is a pretty popular one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll give you a few seconds to think about that while I sure. do this. Excuse me. I want to say thank you to the band The Jazz June for the use of the song Viva La Speed Metal off of the album The Medicine. It's a really excellent song, fun band. You would really enjoy them. I've had some emotional times in my past, and they have certainly helped me through. So that's The Jazz June, Viva La Speed Metal off of the album The Medicine. I also want to say thank you to The Fat Rat for the use of the song Unity. That bouncy, fun EDM music can be found anywhere that you find music. He just passed 200,000 downloads. So uh, I think he's pretty happy right now, and I'm pretty sure most of them came from me, but who am I to say? Um, if you want to get a hold of me, you can email me, discdumppod at gmail.com. That's D-I-S-C-D-U-M-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. Don't forget that little PP in there. It's important. On Twitter, I'm at the Disdump. On Instagram, Disdump Podcast. Facebook, Disdump Podcast page or fans group. All righty. What do you want to recommend to the audience? You know, um, I'm, I've been thinking about it for the last few minutes, and I think I'm going to pass along just some wonderful advice uh, that was given to me when I was a lot younger, and something that has stuck with me and kind of resurfaced lately because of the things that have happened in my life. Um, this is from my just lovely friend, Megan. She told me, you know, if you find yourself in a place in your life where you have friends, who are emotional vampires and who are just sucking you dry and you feel guilt over feeling like you can't do enough to help them and like you're drowning in it. Right. I mean, we've all kind of had that, those situations mm -hmm. get a house plant and some better friends. <laughs> that's, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great solution. <laughs> you can take care of something that'll appreciate it and you don't have to listen to their bitch. So there you go. True enough. I actually just had a moment of that too, where like I, a memory came up on Facebook from 2015 where I was like, I'm going to make a concerted effort not to complain so much because it doesn't do anybody any good. And I'm like looking at it now going, yeah, I weeded out all the people from my life who were negative all the time. People yeah. who were just constantly getting into trouble and shit. 
And it did wonders for my psyche. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it definitely applies to people as well who seek out advice and then don't take it ever. Yeah. My my friend Chad, I think, referred to them as assholes. Assholes. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So, you know, just a little <laughs> a little bright, bright beam out there for you, everybody on the horizon, if you're dealing with things that are making you feel bad, you know? I mean, just just take stock, look around, and make sure you're not just, in fact, surrounded by assholes. There you go. True enough. Yep, don't unsurround yourself with assholes. Everyone has one, but you don't need to have a bunch. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this episode with me. This is such a pleasure, Miles. Anytime, really. Awesome. Alrighty, audience, until next week. Well, shit. Can you believe it? I forgot the premise of my own show. Again. So she and I talked about this after we were off mic, and I totally forgot that this is a part of the show where we decide if I'm going to keep or dump the disc. And uh, the blatant answer is going to be dump. I'm going to dump it even though I like it. It is just a lot longer than it needs to be, in my opinion, and I'm pretty sure if I really wanted to watch it, I can find it somewhere on a streaming service. Uh, right now, I'm pretty sure that like Shutter is the only one that has it, but I know it gets alternated through all of them at some point or another, so if I really want to watch it, I will seek it out, and if I need to pay for it to like rent it for $2, I will do that. But uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to keep this disc, so... Um, there's your your conclusion, y'all. And for the record, Ariel thinks I should keep the disc. Sorry, Ariel. <laughs>